Welcome to the latest edition of the Shukri Rights Podcast with your host, Shukri Rights. It's been a minute since I had a guest on the last few episodes were, um, were solo, and uh, the last episode was part of a sequel, part two of that coming very soon. Um, but I'm excited to have this guest on. I've been following him for a while. Um, he is Scott McLaughlin of WEI, host of the, the Skate Pod on WEI and as well as WEI.com. Scott, good morning. Following the Bruins. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm good. How are you, Shukri? I am. I'm good. I have very little to complain about, and I'm sure a lot of Bruin fans have very little to complain about um, this morning on the morning of the recording prior to the Sunday night game against the Canucks as the Bruins currently sit 13 and two. So I want to get your thoughts on what are your observations from this team so far and what has stood out to you the most about the 2022-23 Bruins? I think their depth is really what has stood out the most to me. Uh, you know, it's not that different of a team than last year, but you bring back Krejci as your second line center, kind of bumps everyone else down in line. Uh, you know, you get a bounce back season from Nick Felino so far. You know, AJ Greer has been able to bring some energy when he's played. You look at defense where they've had a bunch of guys in and out already with, you know, Charlie McAvoy missing time. Matt Grizzlick missed the first four games. Brandon Carlo missed a few. Derek Forbort's out now, and yet they keep rolling. Like they've gotten better as a team defense in spite of all that. Um, you know, Forbort was having a great season before he got hurt. Connor Clifton's really stepped up. And, you know, it, it just so a combination of maybe some, a few roster moves that have helped add depth, but then guys just stepping up, you know, like those. Clifton's forwards, Felinos, guys who, you know, were kind of towards the bottom of the roster last year, you know, sometimes in and out, and now are kind of emerging as uh, as key players. And then obviously, you know, you still have the star power. I mean, uh, David Parsonag's off to an awesome start. Bergeron's doing his thing. Uh, Jake DeBrusque has been very good. Hampus Lindholm's had an awesome start. So, Obviously, Lena Salmark and goals can't seem to lose. So um, get it all together. But, you know, I think combination of of the stars, you know, playing to their potential, plus just a deeper roster overall. As you were talking about Pasternak, I can't help but to think about that, that, that play from the game against Buffalo yesterday, Saturday night, in which – it was as if we had that flashback of 2018-19 again with um, Marsha and Bergeron Pasternak playing on that same line. And it just seemed like they never missed any time apart, given that they don't play on the same lines anymore. And <laughs> we, we, all, we all saw what we already know about David Pasternak in terms of just how gifted of a player he is in terms of his offense, his, his scoring ability, and like there's there are some that would you know point out his flaws like oh like he tends to disappear um come to playoffs or anything like that but in this time in which that the Bruins are rolling and you're seeing Pasanak's play elevate almost on a nightly basis where he's becoming to, beginning to become a little bit more expensive what is your your thoughts on the ongoing contract negotiations between Pasternak and the Bruins. And is there a number that you think that would be realistic for the Bruins to be able to 
meet the middle ground in terms of signing Pasenak long term. Yeah, you're right. He's not he's not getting any cheaper. His price oh. is only going up the mm-hmm. the more that he keeps playing like this. Uh, you know, top three in the league in scoring. You're up there with names like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So, um, yeah, it it's interesting, right? Because like both sides keep saying, you know, they want to get something done. They're talking almost every day. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, okay, so you know, what's taking so long? Why why is it still going? Um, you know, I I think you've got to get up to at least eight years, 11 million a year um, is probably, you know, I think a realistic number, maybe it goes a little over that, but, you know, I wonder if like maybe the Bruins are a little lower than that. You think of last year, they signed Charlie McAvoy eight years, nine and a half million a year. That was the most expensive contract in team history uh, at that point, you know, still is. We, we think Postnox will beat that. But I wonder if maybe the Bruins are still more in that neighborhood or maybe eight by 10 or something where, you know, they might still have to come up another million dollars a year or so. And, uh, you know, and they're going to have to like, again, that that price isn't going down. It's not, you know, if Pasenak's saying, you know, if he's at like eight by 11 and a half or something, there's nothing that's going to change his mind and bring him down. So at some point, I think the Bruins might have to come up on the price a little bit. And, you know, I don't know why that that waiting games are really happening. And then you throw in this whole Mitchell Miller thing that's happened over the last week. And it's like, you wonder what, wonder the kind of effect that has where, you know, now the front office has, you know, a whole different problem on their hands to, to handle and, you know, they're doing internal reviews and whatever. So um, they also have a trade to figure out at some point when they're going to have to clear out about $3 million in salary when, uh, Derek Forber comes back off long-term injured reserve. So a lot going on, but you would certainly think that uh, they'd want to get Pasenak done sooner than later. You don't really want to have this drag on into the, into the second half of the season. You certainly don't want to have it drag into the off season. Oh no, no, no. Because at that point it, it literally becomes a bidding war. And, and we've seen that happen before where it becomes a, well, we wanted him, but he didn't want to come back at this price. Like, in a way, we saw that with Tory Krug just a few years ago. I mean, I know, like, obviously, like, two different positions, um, one being a really good offensive defenseman, Pasenak being one of the elite scorers in the NHL. But we saw that with Krug a few years ago in which that he was in his walk here and they didn't get a new contract like done prior to the start of, of the season. And yet they get to the offseason, they got the free agency, St. Louis said, hey, this is what we're going to offer you. And Tory Krug took the Saint, the Blues contract and signed there as a free agent. But with Pasenak, what I find to be the most, the most damning, because I'm going to go on, I'm going to go on a strong course here, is because why play with fire? You're playing with fire knowing that there are 31 other teams across the NHL that will sign him, including the New York Rangers including maybe the Anaheim Ducks, maybe, but there are other teams that, that will be willing to pony up that kind of money to pay for a premium talent like David Pasenak. And Scott, at what point do you say, and do you begin to truly worry? Because right now I'm not there yet. But at what point do you begin to truly worry about where negotiations are heading with David Pasenak and the Bruins? 
I would say if it gets to the trade deadline and there's still no extension and, and that's not till March, mm-hmm. um, I think at that point, you know, look, the, the Bruins are obviously a good enough team that they're, they're not going to consider trading them or anything like that. But that trade deadline is still kind of like a, it's sort of a reset point where, you know, you kind of start to make plans for, you're making plans for that season to, to go forward and, and put together the, best team possible for the playoffs, but you're also starting to look ahead to next year, right? right? Like last year where the Bruins get Hampus Lindholm at the deadline, that was a move for last season, but it was also a move looking ahead. Um, You know, I think if you got to that point and Pasternak's still not signed, it becomes really easy at that point for him to just wait until after the season, because there's about a month left in the regular season. You're not going to be negotiating during the playoffs. So if you get to there and there's still no deal, um, I would say it, it, it probably is going to have to wait till after the season. And then there's, there's a little bit of negotiation time between end of the season and start of free agency. And that's not meaningless. Like you can make use of that time to get a guy locked up. We saw that last summer with the national predators and Philip Forsberg, where yeah. he went through the whole season without a new deal. There are rumors, you know, are they going to trade him at the deadline? They wrote it out and then they got him signed, I think, literally the day before free agency started to a seven-year deal. So there is precedent for that as well. And I think that there's even if you wait that long, there's always going to be the mutual interest. Like, I don't think Pasternak's going to change his mind about, you know, wanting to stay here if the right deal's on the table. So you could still get something done then, but obviously that's really cutting it close and, and is not ideal. Talk about... <laughs> Talk about like creating a bit of tension for for yeah. fans. Like, where's where's the deal? Any word? Like, I see this on Bruins Twitter almost every day. There's always either either one or two mentions of is there a new deal? Is there a new deal? And and I've had people ask me, is there like there's nothing out there right now, as of yet. And and it and and I think that's just like the maybe the one of two major sticking points surrounding the team. What otherwise has been a just a shocking start to the season. I mean, because let's be honest. Did anybody really have this team being 13 and two through the team's first 15 games? No, absolutely not. Especially not with McAvoy and Marsha missing the start of the year. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Everyone's expectations were just, Hey, just try to keep your head above water. Just, you know, keep pace, be, be in the playoff pitcher somewhere until those guys come back and then you get ready to make your run. And instead they're sitting there with the best record in the conference. They're right there with Vegas for the best record in the league. And it's like, well, okay, forget hanging, forget about, you know, hanging around the playoff pitch. You're like, mm. you're talking about division winner, number one seed type stuff now. And, oh, yeah. and, you know, and they can, like they can hang around that conversation because you look around the rest of the Eastern conference and it's like, it's not a lot of teams off to great starts. You know, your lightning, your maple leaves, like they're sort of still kind of find themselves the Rangers who went to the conference finals last year. They're hovering around 500. So it's like the Bruins, you know, not only treaded water during that time, like they've put some space between themselves and, and other teams that you yeah. eventually think are going to, you know, be playoff teams and, and go on a run at some point, but mm-hmm. they can, you know, they've really set themselves up well to, to, you know, to go for that number one seed and try to have like home ice throughout the playoffs. It's, you know, it's not really too early to like start thinking about that. Like they, because they've gotten off to such a good start that 
Um, they've got some wiggle room. I'm I'm there. I'm I'm already there. So last night, for those of you that that don't follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Shukri Rights, not Shukri Wrongs, Shukri Rights, and everything. I made a video last night. And I posed this question following the, the, their win against the, the against the the Sabers, and I asked, at what point do you begin? Because I knew that there was going to be negative answers, and because let's be honest, the fan base is naturally negative. And I, I don't think it's a far-fetched statement to even make about this fan base. So I put the question out there, and I saw a lot of the comments this morning because it was late when I posted the, the video last night. And I asked, at what point do you begin to say that this is not just a good early season start? This isn't just, this isn't just a good start anymore, that you have a legitimate team. Some are saying... Well, let's just see after we get through the stretch between the November 21st and the, the, through December 11th, where they, they have some, re- like some really challenging matchups coming up. And then there are those that were saying, well, wake me up when the Stanley Cup playoffs start. We'll find out how good of a team is. So, Scott, have you arrived at, this, at the point where the Bruins are truly for real and are one of the elite teams in the NHL or are you still in wait and see mode? No, I think I'm there, at least as far as saying they're one of the best teams in the league and, and a cup contender. Like, you know, I'm not going to go as far as to say like they should win the cup or anything like oh, that. Same, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're absolutely one of the best teams. Like you look at the, how many other teams have a top six up front that can compete with theirs? Not many. Not many. How many other teams have two defensemen like Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm? Not many. So like, that's a great place to start. And then, like I mentioned earlier, they're getting the contributions from the depth. Uh, You know, we know how important a third line can be in the playoffs. It's kind of been a a make or break point of the roster for the Bruins in the past, especially last season. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They got nothing from the third line in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think they're getting more from their third and fourth lines this year. Yeah. I still think there's going to be some questions to answer there, you know, Longer term, let's see if like can Trent Fre- Fredericks stick on a third line long term, you know, for months at a time. Like that's still a question he has to answer. He hasn't quite established himself to that extent. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're definitely one of the best teams. It, it's, it, you know, I don't know what else you would really need to see to to get to that point. Like, yeah, obviously we know it's all about the playoffs. We know they can't really answer those questions from the past few years until they get there. But absolutely. Um, you know, I, I never like, like, I think people try and do that with the Celtics as well. And it's like, I don't know. They just, just enjoy the season until it gets there. Like you can't do, you can't do anything about the playoffs right now. I'm so, so glad you, you know, mentioned that. No, like all, all you yeah. can do is, is set yourself up and, and um, you know, establish good habits. And the Bruins are clearly doing that. And they're yeah. at the top of the league standing. So um enjoy the regular season and, you know, enjoy, enjoy what you're seeing because all, all of what you're seeing, that's, what's going to be important come the playoffs. Like if they play like this, they absolutely can go on a deep run. You know, there are things that I've noticed already that has really impressed me so far. And I've said this for, for quite some time that, you really don't know what kind of team you have until you go through some sort of adversity. 
this isn't a Bruins team that's had an easy skate from um, from the beginning of the season up until now. That couldn't be further from the truth. You you talked about the the injuries with Marsha missing time, McAvoy just getting back, as well as Marsha obviously haven't just gone back as well, but they were without um, Zaka for a little bit of time. They were without Krejci for um, for for a bit of time, and right now they're missing Derek Forbert as well. They just um had um, Mike Riley um, sent down to, um, to to Providence. And yet, whenever adversity has, has came knocking on the door, this team has responded. And there's no clear-cut example of that. Then I think what is the game of the year so far for the team when they were playing the Pittsburgh Penguins, when they were down 5-2, to two, and somehow woke up after a horrific second period, which I still think was the worst period of the season so far, to score three unanswered goals in the third period and then win it in overtime. And, and Scott, like, when you, when you look at previous Stanley Cup winning teams, especially in, in recent years, whether if it's the Blues or the Capitals or, I mean, the Lightning when they won back-to-back, and even last year's Colorado Avalanche team, when you look at those teams in terms of what they had to go through adversity and how they've responded and what you've seen from this Bruins team so far, is it fair to say and, and to begin to think that this is just more than just pure depth and skill on the ice, but rather there is a transformation in terms of their mental makeup? Because last season, I'm truly not sure if the Bruins come back to win those kind of games, and especially uh, in last night's game against against the Buffalo Sabres, yeah, they were down one nothing, but they they would look off in that first period. Yeah, definitely. The, they're never out of it for sure. They clearly have have the offensive weaponry to be able to to come back in games, and they're also showing that they can win different ways now. Like they've they've had to grind out some wins recently. Yeah. You know, Calgary, Buffalo, where. They're not really playing their best. It's kind of a low-scoring defensive game, but they find a way to to break through and get the win. And and you know they've really improved their their team defense. Like early in the year, they're playing some some wide open games and they're getting kind of high scoring. There was that mm-hmm. loss in Ottawa where they gave up seven goals, and oh, now they've oh, really yeah. locked it down. Like they're they're second in the NHL in team defense now, and uh, and that happened pretty quick. Like that happened just over a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, so they they can beat you scoring. They can play defense. I think they, they've had some physical games. They've been willing to mix it up with teams. Uh, and, and that's what you need. You need to be able to win different ways. You know, now, would you like to see them kind of put their foot in the gas and, you know, dominate a team like Buffalo? Yeah, of course. But you're not going to have your A game every night. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's not realistic. So good teams find a way to win with, their B and sometimes even their C game. And, and we're seeing that from the Bruins recently. And then, like you mentioned, like if they get into a game and they fall behind by a couple goals, they they can turn it on. They can open up the offense and, and, you know, find a way to come back. Like, obviously you don't want to make a habit of that, but it's good to know it's there. Like it, it's because now that gives you belief the next time you go into a game like that, that, Hey, you know what? Okay. We're down three, nothing halfway through the game. We don't have to just roll over and call it a night. Like we still have a chance. Mm-hmm. And I think last year you saw some games where they'd get behind by multiple goals and they would kind of just roll over. Like they had a couple games against Carolina in the regular season where 
they felt they gave up a couple goals in the first period and it was like night's over like you didn't even need to tune in for the second and third periods you, you just knew like they had no chance yeah and that and that was the case like last year and, and this year like you, you see that this team has a lot more fight and and as much as the positives have have been clear and apparent for the team on the ice we're now about a week into the Mitchell Miller controversy and and even up until um yesterday like it's still it's still a talking point because Mitchell Miller is still under contract with the Bruins organization and and now from what I was hearing last night I was I had an opportunity to um um, to listen to 32 parts, um, 32 thoughts um, from Sportsnet. And they were, uh, Elliot Freeman was talking about the, some of the legalities in terms of the, the, the contract and as well as the NHL um, P, Players Association um, getting involved. And I want to get your thoughts on for the Bruins to officially move on because he's still part of the Bruins organization right now. What do you think the next steps would need to be in order for the Bruins to, to like, basically uh, eradicate themselves from uh, from um, Mitchell Miller and as well as the contract that they basically gave him after they signed him um, a week ago on Friday. Yeah, well, so option one from the Bruins' perspective would have been uh, a mutual decision to part ways. That's clearly not happening, mm-hmm. which if you're, if you're Mitchell Miller, why would you do that? Why would you give up all that money? So uh, the next options are either they try to find a legal reason to get out of it, which could be that, you know, maybe Mitchell Miller and his agent misled them on something, you know, lied about something. If they can find any ground to stand on there, maybe they can go that route. That obviously opens up a legal battle. And like you mentioned, the NHLPA, as much as there's probably people in the NHLPA, they want nothing to do with Mitchell Miller. It is their obligation to, you know, to fight for contracts basically. And, and to, set a precedent that, Hey, you can't just, you can't just terminate a contract for no reason. So there would be a legal battle. if They go that route. And the third option would be to wait until the off season and buy it out, which means you're giving him all your money. There's you're giving him all his money. There's, a, you know, a, a small cap hit that would go against the Bruins for, I think the next three or four years, if they do that, but basically you'd be paying him the rest of the season to just stay away and then you buy him out in the off season. So uh, it, it is probably going to be a little while until this gets resolved in, in any fashion. Um, but, you know, obviously the most important thing for the Bruins was just to make it known that they're moving on, that he's not going to be a part of the team. He's not going to be in their facilities, practicing, playing anything. Uh, and now you, you know, now you do the tougher part of trying to figure out how to get out of the contract, which, you know, of course, it was a mistake to sign in the first place, but oh, yeah. that's what they did to themselves. Self-inflicted wounds. Yep. And I went as far as to say, like, I think self-inflicted stupidity. I had a chance to watch the um, the press conference from last week, Tuesday. And and the thing that that really like stood out to me was like was it was when Cam Neely said that like, based on new information is like based on new information to who? Because when right. Mitch Miller was um, was first drafted, and then la- later, um, like the the Coyotes, like rescinded their draft, 
it was it became like public knowledge as to why it happened and to me that i thought that really was just shocking it was shocking in terms of the new information part and i'm like that's not new like we like that this was known league wide yet for some reason this was being worked upon for months at a time so 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 when you look back on the the press conference in terms of what was said and as well as the the actions that have come this in, during this entire before and after the press conference got what has stood out to you in terms of the either the transparency or the lack of transparency from Bruins management? And why, in your opinion, do you believe that this is something that isn't going to be as simple to get or to walk away from, even if the Bruins were able to say, hey, you know what, we're going to just rip up the contract and just walk away overnight? Yeah, I think because – like you mentioned, you know, Cam Neely's asked, what was the new information you were referencing? And mm-hmm. he says, well, the fact that we didn't talk to the family was concerning. And it's like, okay, well, that's new information to you. Like that's, you know, you could have talked to, talked to Isaiah Maya Crothers and or his family. Uh, the fact that you didn't, that's on you. Like if you're Mitchell Miller and, and his agent Eustace King, you're sitting there going, you know, wasn't our fault. Like we didn't, we're not the ones who prevented you from talking to them. Uh, You know, there shouldn't be any new information from our end. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where that battle comes, right? Is because then Kim Neely was also asked, you know, did you feel misled by uh, his, by Mitchell Miller or his agent? And he says, I can't get into that, unfortunately. And it's like, okay, well, do they feel like there's something there? You know, we know, um, Eustace King went on a podcast, the Cam and Strick podcast this yep. past week mm-hmm. to share, you know, his side of the story. And even in that interview, you know, he tries to present it as uh, Mitchell Miller and Isaiah have been talking and, you know, almost like friendly conversations going on for a month. And, you know, he says they're healing and they're working together and they even talked about, you know, doing something together. And then you get a statement from Isaiah Mike Carruthers through the Hockey Diversity Alliance, basically calling BS on all of that and saying, yeah. like, Mitchell Mill is not my friend. When I asked him, you know, what he's been doing to better himself, he didn't answer me, like, and completely contradicting that. So I wonder if maybe the Bruins look, look at that as some sort of in where they can say, hey, you know, you lied about, like, what's been going on between them. But again, what the Bruins would have to answer for is, well, why didn't you just talk to Isaiah? Why didn't you get the other side of the story? Like that, that ultimately always comes back to them. And I don't know, you know, so I don't know if they're going to be able to argue that there's any sort of new information or misleading info that allows them an out in the contract. Um, But I'm sure that's, that's kind of what they're considering. And that's what they're probably working through with all their lawyers and whatever. Yeah. And I mean, no matter how, like, no matter how long it may take, this is definitely something that's still going to be a talking point um, as we move along um, during, during the season. Now the Bruins are entering a, a really interesting stretch of games coming up in which that wanted to get your thoughts on real quick. And when I was looking at the schedule earlier, I was saying to myself, you know, the, the Bruins, they have a stretch of games in which that, 
I think when you look at the second half of November is where things begin to really like go on an uptick in terms of challenges and challenging matchups. Now, let's say after the Vancouver game, they got the game on the 17th against the Flyers. They got the Saturday night game at home against the Blackhawks. But between the 21st of this month and the end of the month, they have five games, sorry, four games. Two of them are against the Lightning, one against the Panthers, and one against the Hurricanes. And if you if there is one aspect to the Bruins that you've seen through the first 15 games thus far, as the Bruins get ready to head into those matchups so that, that's basically scheduled for the end of the month, what would those concerns be? And do you think that it's time to be concerned about the about the the ability for the blue line to, to stay healthy, given that it's a long season and, and injuries are prone to happen. Defensemen are prone to get injured. Or, or is, is that, is that something that you, um, that, that you consider or, or think of? Yeah, I think that's always a concern. And, and it seems like, especially with the Bruins in recent years, they've mm-hmm. had trouble keeping defensemen healthy. I don't really know like what you can do about that other than just have enough depth that you hope to be able to, uh, you know, to, to weather the storm. And right now they have depth. Like at some point they're probably going to have to make a move, but right now you still have Zaboral and Riley that are, you know, Riley's in Providence right now, but he's obviously still around. Um, you know, you signed Anton Strahlman, who I think has taken a while to get up to speed and hasn't quite found his game yet, but you hope at some point he will. He's obviously a, a veteran who's, who's been around the league and has been an effective player for a very long time. So other than just uh, having depth, there's, you know, there's not really a whole lot you can do about it. Um, you mentioned this stretch of games, and, and you're right. Like, this is the ultimate test because then even you get into that, like, that first week and a half of December yeah. and four of their five games there against the Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a brutal stretch of the schedule. And it's going to be a huge test. And I think, you know, honestly, I feel like if you come out of that like, – anywhere over 500 it's like okay like the starts for real like if they if they run the you know if they go like seven and two through that stretch then it's like holy cow like they are Stanley Cup favorites but, yeah. <laughs> um, you know it's uh I think the fact that they already have McAvoy and Marshan back is really encouraging because like now you're facing that stretch at at least close to full strength and those guys are going to be up to speed you know, early on, it, it was like that was right around when they were supposed to come back. And you're like, boy, that's going to be a tough stretch to like just drop them in and be like, hey, we need you guys to be, you know, prime McAvoy and Marsh and and I uh, hope you get up to speed fast. So the fact that they're they're both already going to have, you know, a couple of weeks under their belt before they get there is uh, that's a big help for them. And it'll you know, we'll see if Swayman's back by then. I think that would also be a big help. I think he's he's getting closer, but might still be a week or two away. Um, but yeah, that, I, that'll tell us a lot. It'll tell us how they really look against top teams because like I mentioned, some of these games recently where they haven't played their best, but they found a way to pull it out, whether that's, you know, Saturday against Buffalo Thursday against Calgary. Like mm-hmm. I don't, you're not going to be able to play that way against these teams coming up and win. So you're gonna have to be more on top of your game. You can't, you know, sleep through the first period. You can't, let up in the second period and let teams back in games. Like 
they're they're really going to be on it for 60 minutes and you know I wonder if like part of what we have seen recently is they've, you know, you get off to a style like this, maybe you get a little complacent you're feeling really high about yourself. And then you have these games like Calgary and Buffalo and you're like, Hey, we can turn it on for one period and still be, you know, a team that's struggling. Well, that, that stretch of games coming up, that's going to be a wake up call that yeah. can't play that way against the best teams in the league. So, you know, it, it'll really be a chance for them to, to show that they can be on their game for six, for 60 minutes. And that's going to be huge because I don't want this team to fall into bad habits of, right. well, like just having that, that proverbial switch of, well, let's turn it on and turn it off. And like in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you cannot turn it off ever. You cannot have that switch uh, turned off. And and to wrap up the podcast, I wanted to ask you in regards to, um, in regards to Linus Omar, I think Linus Omar in himself and in itself has been the biggest surprise for the Boston Bruins this season. And going into the season, I thought that this would be a healthy tandem in which that Swayman was going to take another step forward in his progression. I'm not saying that he's that he's regressed or anything like that, but I don't think any of us really could have foreseen Linus Allmark taking that next step where he's playing dare I say, at a, at a damn near Vezina Trophy um, level. So I want to get your thoughts on Linus Omok and why do you think that he's been able to, to play at such an elite level so far to start the season? Yeah, you're right. Like He is at a Vezina level right now. 10-1-0, 9-36 save percentage. He's yeah. leads the league in wins. He's second in save percentage right behind Carter Hart down in Philly. Um, as far as like why he's or how he's been able to do this I think he mentioned early in the season that he just felt so much more comfortable going into this year you know last year you're moving to a new team new city you know he's he's got family you know he's got little kids um and he's learning you know a new team players all that and I think it just took him a while to get going and then there was the you know there was the whole two Garask situation which I think everyone says the right thing but I'm sure that did hang over both Allmark and Swayman where you're like, okay, like, is this really our job or is Tuca coming back to, you know, to bump us down the depth chart? Like what's going on now? I think you go into this year and it's, Hey, Elmark and Swayman are the guys like, you know, every, everything, I mean, the head coach changes, but for a goalie that really doesn't matter because they really deal deal more with the goalie coach, Bob Asenza. So Elmark just felt so much more comfortable. There was no moving. Um, and I think, you know, there was always, the potential that he could do something like this when he was in Buffalo, he had some really good underlying numbers. Like if you look at like five on five, save percentage or high danger, save percentage, he was just on a bad team. So, you know, so it doesn't show up surface level, certainly not in wins and losses. Um, but there was always talent there. And now, now you're really seeing it come through and you're seeing him play, you know, like a legitimate number one, you're seeing him handle probably the heaviest workload. He's, you know, at least early in the season, Obviously, you'd like to get a little more balance going forward, but I mean, he just made before Keith Kincaid started Saturday night. He had made six straight starts, which I hadn't looked it up, but I'm guessing he probably hasn't done too often in his career. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's got talent, he's got size, and I think he just feels really good about his situation, and and he's just been able to put it all together. And uh, you know, it, it's amazing. Like they've 
gone off to such a great start and they've basically been riding him like Swayman really hasn't gotten going he had just had his you know after a little bit of a slow start to the year he had just had his best start I think I think it was against Detroit and then he gets injured the next game so you really haven't even gotten the second part of your goalie tandem going yet and yet you're still doing this just because of how good Allmark's been absolutely and it's going to be fun to see how it all like unfolds once once uh, Jeremy Swimming comes back healthy and he plays at a level that we know that he's capable of playing. Scott McLaughlin, WEI, host of the Skate Pod. You can check it out or wherever you get your podcast, WEI.com. Check out his Bruins work that he does for the website and as well for the station. Scott, you're the best for coming on on this Sunday morning. And thank you so much for, for your time, man. I enjoy talking bees with you and uh, hope to be able to talk some more Bruins with you as the season progresses down the line as well. Yeah. Thank you.